Hey there, people of soccer. This is ATL on Fire, the show where we'll be talking about everything Atlanta United Football Club. Sit back, buckle up, enjoy. We ready. We're ready. All right. We are back. This is ATL on Fire. Thanks for joining another episode. It's hard to believe it's been about a month. We've got three games that have passed. A soggy game in Columbus against the crew. We've got a win up in New England and a home loss just this last Saturday Saturday against Dallas FC. Oof. So let me just start with this week's rant, which is... Who I've talked about in the podcast a lot, my nemesis on the team, LGP, Leandro Gonzalez Perez. And I want to like him. He's just so frustrating. Uh, he's lazy. Uh, he got beat between a 20 yard lead on the second goal uh, the last Saturday game, which to me was just lack of focus and lack of any sort of pride that he should have had fixed in his career for sure by this point, and I've talked about in the past. And he's just nonchalant in general. When I see him passing the ball around in the backfield, his arms and his posture are way too relaxed for me to have any sort of urgency as a defender that has purpose, and that really frustrates the crap out of me. And the third thing is that he's stupid. And by stupid, I don't mean intellectually. I mean he's stupid as a soccer player with making dumb decisions. That after a while, like, you know, I've made my fair share in my day, but he just seems to keep repeating unnecessarily aggressive fouls on other teams um, at a ratio that is beyond the limit of acceptability. And that absolutely kills me. And so I actually went back with the last three games since we've done ATL on fire and took a look at some of the footage today. And I know I'm not supposed to be educated here on ATL on fire, but I looked at the Columbus game where we got beat in this soggy mess, which we'll talk about, 2 nothing. The first ball that came through, he could have made a stretch. you know. And again, it's just that little effort where he didn't even try to stop the cross from getting uh, put through, which ended up in the first goal that ended up, ended up on the back post. I really feel like if he was a little more focused and poised, he would have made the effort there. Uh, the second goal was in the middle. Uh, he, he didn't step up stop the cross from from the guy in front of him uh and know take a look at the footage Th- that one is a little harsh on him i would say if i'm being critical of him that would be the most critical which was that game um, but even against the new england win which was uh the game that uh, we finally got a little momentum going and a, and a lot of offensive chances um the goal that was called back if you take a look at that lgp is right in the mix there the ball comes in from a throw-in he does not make a real good effort on getting up to head it or clear it, which was weak. The ball comes down on a defender's foot. He doesn't close it with any urgency. And the guy ends up slotting it kind of behind him and to a guy that was maybe half a yard off sides and ends up slotting it by Guzan. You know, again, LGP is right in the mix there. Uh, that very easily could have been a goal. Now, this Saturday, uh, which is really frustrating. Uh, in my opinion, both goals were his fault. 
and and by that I mean a huge portion of it. So the first one, he is on the other side of the field in the midfield uh, on the left side. Um, a ball is played out of the back. He goes to make a lunging tackle at the guy who just turns him and essentially puts Jeff Lerner out of position. And um, Shea's kind of stepping up at that point too, feeling like, you know, LGP is going to make the tackle. He doesn't. It's off to the races and the first goal happens. The second one, I think everybody at the stadium saw and felt like LGP was at the heart of it. And when you go back and look at the video, it's painfully obvious that he puts his head down um, after a long ball comes out of the back, is jogging, and an 18-year-old just blazes by him to take a one-touch volley and put it right by Guzan, who had no chance at it. And Frank DeBoer, this is a message to you. you. You need to do something because that's your position and the play there is unacceptable. So there's my rant. Look, and I love LGP as athleticism. I've said that over and over again. So I'd even be willing to see a change in position. I'm not a huge fan of Breck Shea. The player ratings and the, the fans seem to think, think the same thing. So if we can take a productive side of what LGP has, which he's got great skills in the ball, get him in a more offensive type of mode on the outside left side, maybe. Um, so I don't know. Finally, um, you know, I'll just say as part of my rant, it's been tough as a fan watching. This reminds me of why the MLS is a tough league to watch, having a few games in here of Atlanta United not winning. And with that, I'm going to thank again my co-host, Dave Katz, for joining me. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. That was a uh, that was a legit rant. I yeah. think that was uh, longer than some of the previous rants. Yeah, LGP kind of gets me going on that front. <laughs> it fired up. Well, and uh, we've got a lovely uh, Cote d'Iron wine from France tonight. So, you know, branching out a little bit, trying to change it up for Atlanta United. The old world. I'm loving it. This is delicious. And, uh, yeah, what's our motto here, Dave, at ATL on Fire? It's been about a month, so if we have any new listeners, they kind of need to know. Well, um, we know a lot about soccer. We know uh, a fair amount about uh, Atlanta United. We know a little bit about MLS. But we're going to talk about it all. We are, and to talk about it all, uh, we have an awesome guest this evening who happens to be my wife, Leah Dobbs. Thanks for joining. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, so thank you for tolerating uh, a bunch of microphones in our basement here. I appreciate it. And as I always start off with our guest, Leah, what made you become an Atlanta United fan What's your history with soccer? Tell a little bit about your history with the sport and uh, how you became somebody in the stands with Atlanta United. Before you do that, though, I have to say you showed remarkable (laughs) patience letting him rant for that long without talking. Go ahead. Not the hostile guest. Yeah, let the hostile witness begin. Not yet. Um, I started playing soccer in first grade. I was, of course... In our generation, the only girl on the team played with a bunch of boys. Continued to play with a bunch of boys until I think I had to play with all the girls. My poor parents, back in the day, used to drive to Athens and Augusta regularly. There were not many competitive girls teams around. And continued through high school. I coached in high school. Um, Continued playing after college actually met my husband playing competitive co-ed soccer through a mutual friend. 
Was that your first husband or me? That was me. <laughs> um, oh. Wow. Yeah. First just husband? teasing. We're, that's... There has been one husband. There will only be one husband. Mikey Nobbs doesn't remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Typical. How I became an Atlanta United fan? Well, I was pregnant with our miracle baby, our second daughter. And I wasn't told that we had bought in to have season tickets. <laughs> Well, it's Dave. Dave, oh, Dave he might actually I had nothing one. to do with that. Dave, I wasn't Dave part had of nothing to do with it, but I did say to Dave that it was better to beg for forgiveness. And so, yeah, there was some ATM uh, withdrawals at the tin roof, <laughs> and um, we made sure that uh, he got paid in installments uh, ahead of time. So yeah. yeah, the compromise in the marriage was not was not key there. Yeah, I wasn't thrilled to have a brand new baby and season tickets to something, but I will say, and I have said was very smart now that time has passed on and I thank Dave for <laughs> organizing and keeping everybody honest and you're so welcome with our tickets <laughs> yeah. with all thank of you, our Dave. tickets so what what do you like about the team like what do you like why do you enjoy watching you're from Atlanta because so. growing up here there's never been well we can get into that Growing up here, I love the Braves. I should love the Falcons, but I'm actually a Niners fan, but not really into the NFL much anymore. Just since we've gotten into the MLS and Atlanta United, that's like my team now. We don't have much time to do that much watching sports and TV with two young girls, but when I do, I want to watch soccer. And what do you think about like the experience having gone to... like? The stadium for the first time, the experience, uh, just in general, like what did, what did you think about Atlanta soccer actually having a pro team after I had gotten tickets and you actually went to it? Was it pretty surprising to you or were you expecting it? was. It? Even at Georgia Tech, it was awesome. But the new stadium's amazing. And I mean, I think I went to some Chiefs games here when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And then when the women's team was here, a very close friend of mine worked for them and supported them. But it just, it's never had the draw and the following. And I mean, let's face it, before Atlanta had a team, you and I never watched MLS. I couldn't have told you any of the players in the MLS. Or if I had the free time, would have chosen to watch the MLS. It would have been much more English Premier League. And even then, I was kind of just meh. Yeah. Well... Um, so what's different about the live experience than, say, watching Premier League on TV? The stadium is amazing. Our seats are great. We get to go hang out with friends. But, I mean, let's face it. Year three, the first years have been very exciting there. The team has been great, fun to watch. The pace is picking up. The players are good. They're young. They're excited. They bring a lot of energy and excitement. The stadium's amazing. Everybody there is so happy and friendly. It's just very, yeah. such a very different experience than going to, not that it wasn't great, but to a Braves game or a Falcons game. We were yeah. actually winning the last two years. And yeah, but not even that, wait, just there's the something different about Atlanta United than the rest of the Atlanta sports <laughs> yeah. teams. Wait, let me think. Hmm. A championship? Ah, oh, that's yeah, it. Yeah, okay, all right. And in two years, <laughs> two years. Let's be fair. The Braves have won one World Series. Yeah. I know we should be good this year too. We'll, we'll see, but yeah, even go, I went to the SunTrust Park for the first time, and yeah, you just don't have the same upbeat energy. And I mean, look, Atlanta 
isn't doing great right now and you still go in the stadium, you, you feel like a more upbeat energy, even with a lot of the angst that is, you know, uh, with the fan base right now. I just feel like, yeah, everybody is so nice. Everybody is so energetic about the optimism of the team. And I think that's, for me, what continues to be what I know will be why I'm a fan for life of Atlanta United. So, so when you go to the games, do you sing the songs? Are you into that? Or yes, chance? I yeah. do. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm on my feet. Yeah. We need some new songs, though. We need some new uh, supporters groups to come up with some chants for players. Players. Player chants. If, you, if anyone from the supporters groups listens to this podcast, please, God yes. bless your work. Let's get yeah. some... some I don't know, Martinez song? I mean, Martinez, how does he not deserve a song by now? We're three years in and we don't have a Martinez song? I mean, they do. They they actually, Martinez, he he needs a second song and like Barco, somebody, Nagby for sure. Yeah, Yeah, but but even there, like, you know, so the the classic thing in in worldwide football is, is to have. A song, not really complicated, but a couple of verses about what they do. Yeah. And, and even Joseph Martinez, just his name, right? Yeah. You know, nothing about him scoring ridiculous goals and, and you know, flashing ridiculous skills and laughing in defenders' faces or something. You know, come on. Agreed. So, let's go back and rewind since it's been three games since we podcasted and go back to the ridiculous game in Columbus. Um which, first off, probably should have been canceled uh, when they decided to call the game before halftime. Uh, the weather was ridiculous. But, first off, we shouldn't have gone down a goal to begin with. Again. I have to say that, you know, dear podcast listener, in all honesty, that's the first Atlanta United game that I haven't watched from start to finish. I was on vacation in England. For a good cause, I was watching yeah. Al Marone play in London. So cheering him on. But uh, so I've seen some of the highlights, but I haven't. I didn't see the whole game, and you couldn't see much well, anyway. I don't. I actually don't have that on on the agenda here, which I whipped up in about ten minutes. Yes. But yeah, t- tell me about uh, the experience over in England. We haven't even talked about that. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, I've been to a number of Premier League games, but um, I haven't been to the new uh, Emirates Stadium. So it was Newcastle playing at Arsenal. Uh, we went to see our our boy Al Marone, who's starting for Newcastle. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a beautiful stadium. Actually, it's one of the, actually one of the only nine, eight teams that are out, um, who have more attendance than, than Atlanta United. I don't know if you oh, know wow. that. Oh, wow. I didn't but know They that. officially announced that last year Atlanta United was top 10 in the world in attendance. But one of the few places that has more is the Emirates in London for Arsenal. Wow. So full crowd all the time. And, um, Al Marone, you know, it's funny because, um... He played well. He played really well. When he was on the ball, he was the same, you know, trying to run at people. But they weren't, you know, um, uh, Benitez wasn't really using him the same way. They don't really, I don't think they've grown comfortable enough to play through him quite yeah. so much. And so they were actually trying to play to him. Like they, he was trying to actually, he made a number of runs to try to be get behind the defenders. And... Um, you know, it's funny. One of the things that Almiron does is he's so fast with the ball that he actually can go by people with the ball and actually r- trying to run people without run by people without the ball and just get through balls. He wasn't as effective. Yeah, you know, Lee is dad's from England, so he's a Brummy, um, but he didn't grow up like 
liking soccer as much as uh, motorcycle racing, but uh, uh, yeah, Birmingham, right? How do I pronounce it, Leah? Birmingham. Birmingham. Yep. But yeah, I got a nice... Uh, yeah, he coached me most of my yeah? life. Nice. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I got a nice uh, Wolves FA Cup at Wembley shirt for my birthday from some some uh, family over in England. So definitely stoked about that as my EPL team, the Wolves, are yeah. uh, at, at mid-table. But yeah, Almiron pulled a hammy uh, in this last game. And so I'm assuming he's out for the season just from the looks of it. I haven't read any. Certainly articles. out for a while. And the season doesn't have many games. So yeah. I'm thinking you might be right. Didn't look good. He was, uh, you know, when you're crying or on the verge, you know, that's never a good sign that... As a player, you know something bad happened. Yeah, and he did his hamstring here while yeah. he was here too, right? Yeah, until I broke my leg, a hamstring pull was probably the worst injury I've ever had. I was probably... <laughs> that's actually how Lee and I met. And, and the story is... Oh, do tell, do tell. Yeah. So I, we were playing co-ed soccer, and uh, a guy I work with was like, hey, we're co-ed soccer, and I hadn't played since College of Charleston, and uh, went out there acting all cool. and We were competitive. He was competitive co-ed soccer. And, you know, the ball came to me after I subbed in and I tried to shoot it from like half field. And my hamstring <laughs> just absolutely blew. Like Ooh. First kick. First kick of the game. First kick of the game. Nice. Met, just had met these people. Way to impress people. And, and no, I mean, I fell to the ground and like <laughs> crawled off the field and my, the, my leg turned black and it went all the way down to my ankle black with blood. And I just crawled back in my car and I left. And about seven months later, I came back to play. Think no, I and think it was like December. And you still loved him anyway. It yeah. took a while. I think it was, it was like months. December, and you showed back up late April. When Eric brought you back out, we were like, "Oh my gosh, this Not guy that again!" Guy, yeah. <laughs> like really? <laughs> and then he actually contributed besides the one shot and crawled off the field. And we were like, "Oh, okay, well, yeah, he's actually yeah. pretty good. We'll keep him." They were like, <laughs> like "This, this guy's like Breck Shea." Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> almost. No. Oh, almost. So, all right, back to Columbus, waterlogged, yeah. ridiculous game, not really soccer at all. Mm-hmm. But again, the first goal, the, the it was at least tolerable at that point, and we got scored on. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I, I put LGP in the mix there, but um, I don't even know. There's not much to say about that game. You can't say honestly. anything about that game. Yeah. Should have never played it. But yeah, why, did, why did the referee not cancel it, I guess, would be – I mean, it was – I played at the Silverbacks field yeah. in – three inches of water and wondered why the Silverbacks guy didn't cancel it. Because so <laughs> they're, they're making the almighty yeah. dollar. But, but uh, uh, yeah. They will cancel it for, for anything. A game that act of God has to be. Puts guys who are making millions of dollars at risk. I mean, it was dangerous and stupid. Yeah, I mean, because these players make a lot of money. You know, I mean, maybe not Premier League money, but they make a lot of money. They're invested. Yeah. So and when, when, when you get water... So it's finally, I think you start the game and you think, okay, it's pouring, no big deal. You can play straight through the rain, no problem. But once there's water on the field and people are at, at risk of injury, then I think it's it's reckless. Yeah. Um, and and actually, you know, you have to say, you can, I'm kind of surprised actually how fast the, the, the field became waterlogged, right? Because you would think they, you know, again, I didn't see the, the game, so I couldn't see whether they had tarped it before, but you would think they would have had a tarp blocking the rain ahead of time and it would have been dry. And so no matter how hard it's raining, you wouldn't think it'd get waterlogged during the game, but apparently not. So, you know, let's talk about the, the field builders in Columbus. Yeah. 
<laughs> they're just happy to still have their team, I think. I don't yes. think they're too worried about exactly. the drainage. You're like, as long as you don't go to Austin. So then we go up to New England, right? And we get our first win. Our only win. Our only win. <laughs> our only bloody win against New England. Season. Which, mind you, I think we beat 7 nothing last season. Yes. So it should be the right outcome. We have New England's number, that's and for sure. dear God, how many chances do we have in that game from... Martinez missing. I think it was missing. 142. Yeah, it was 142. And <laughs> the, it, but that was a little worrying of like Martinez. Like those are like classic finishes that he's so mm. locked and loaded on, yeah. and you didn't see that from him. No, bad misses actually. Bad, bad misses. Um, one where he kind of pulled it uh, across the goal, and the defender got back on it, and the one that came straight across, and he just didn't time it right, and. Uh, I think you can't underestimate, you know, form and confidence, right? Um, you know, a confident player who's enjoying himself, yeah. who Martinez has been that guy for two years, you know, buries those those yeah. opportunities. I think he's lost his confidence. I just it's more of the form of everybody contributing to create um, enough of those, right, to where. It's well, just, I think you, you, you press a little bit, right? When when the team's not going or whatever, you think, you know, maybe we're not going to get, you know, 20 opportunities this game. And so you put a little more, you know, you try to make it a little bit too fine, right? So whereas when you're in confidence, you just kind of, okay, I'm going to put my foot through it and put it towards the corner and maybe it's three yards inside the goal, but it's still going to go in. Whereas... You get to the point where you're pressing a little bit. You're like, oh, I better put it right inside the post. Make sure I score. And then, you know, you think it too much. You overthink yeah. it. And so, I mean, I guess the takeaway from that game, which is a positive, was we created a lot of chances, which is mm-hmm. kind of the old Atlanta United. Right. And I do think that translated to the game last Saturday against Dallas. Um, and we didn't finish our chances yet again in that game. I don't know, Leah, you were live at the game. What, what did you think of the Dallas game? Too many missed opportunities. I mean, the first half, we were a disaster. We couldn't do anything. Second half, we held them. We played much better. As DeBoer's finally shifted people around, but still not strong and just lack of confidence. Not from one player, from everybody. Laziness, not getting back. Just they don't, their heart's not in it last year. And we only lost... And granted, there are some injuries right now, but we, it goes back to my eye. We lost Elmeron, and in my mind, we lost another key player when we lost Garza. Yeah. I know he was more oh, Let's hear it. Come on. There's clearly yeah. in it. Tell us about Garza. Yeah, Come on. How, uh, we haven't talked about Garza much on this podcast, but yeah. if you look at our Achilles heel this season, and you, you that's probably your rant. It's a left... It's a Achilles left back. It's a left Achilles heel. Which he <laughs> yeah. tends to injure. So, you know, there you go. He is young. Yes. He's injury prone. Yes. But mm-hmm. he's one of the few on the team who's had international experience. It was sad that, I don't know, we were forced or right after the cup, like we had to train him. 2017, he was one of the three league MLS players on the team. Dave, do you know how that works with the like the expansion teams and who you're able to protect during that period and and not? I, that's I don't again, know exactly, but um, you 
there's an expansion draft where the expansion teams get to pick for certain players. Certainly designated players are not part of it. And then the team gets to protect a certain number of people. So people say, oh, you know, they didn't have a choice that he was going to get picked anyway. But they had the choice in that they chose not to protect him. They didn't want to use a protection slot on him. So the moment that they decided that they weren't going to use a protection slot on him, then it was pretty clear that Cincinnati was going to pick him. Or at least there was a lot of grumblings that way. Yeah. So they decided we better get something for it, and they traded him ahead of time. Yeah, I just think it was a poor decision. He may not be the best player on the team due to injuries, but he had experience. I think maybe on and off the field, he was much more of a team leader because of his international experience. He, I don't know. I mean, you look at the games where he was out last season. Well, they he made weren't. a huge difference in the playoff yeah. run. When yeah. he came back, which is <coughs> ironic, you know, the last game of the season, he subbed back in. And, um, you know, it was only because of an injury that he came on. They kind of thought, well, maybe he would maybe try to work him back in a little bit in the playoffs. But suddenly he was like the main guy. But it was transformed on the left side, right? Because it was McCann. And, you know, McCann was a decent defender, but doesn't give you nearly the same thing going forward. Yeah. And I think you can argue, right, you know, Breck Shea certainly doesn't give you the same going forward, and I don't think he's as good a defender nearly as as McCann. Yeah. All right. So the loss was definitely tough on Saturday. Um, But let's take a quick 60 seconds for each person to go through every player who's pretty much in the starting roster the last, since the beginning of the season wow. and give an opinion on their level of play. So we'll go from Leah to Dave to me. And so, Leah, what do you think about Joseph Martinez so far this season? Like, what's your grade? If you have to give him A, B, C, D, what do you think? You can throw a minus or a plus in there. A minus. A minus. And not why? because he's not scoring I think he's feeling an undue amount of pressure All and right. he's pushing almost too hard because he doesn't have the support he had before and it's a whole new system and it keeps shifting every game Dave what do you think I'd be hard-pressed to give anybody on the team an A of any kind yeah. um, you know Joseph Martinez I think to me he's been fine like he, he relies on service and he's a you know, a ruthless finisher. But when yeah. the team is not providing it, then, yeah. um, you know, he's not, he isn't, he's never going to be the guy who can just single-handedly put a team on his back. Yeah, and that's why I would give him a B plus versus an A minus, but I understand the grade because I feel like he is trying to work back, um, which hasn't been his MO the last two seasons. He's been, you know, facing the goal, pretty much the last two seasons, and now he's not facing the goal, um, which you have to do when your team isn't bringing the ball to you. So he's playing a different style, which is almost by necessity, in my opinion, and uh, you know that that's not the best situation when your skill set is honed to be that kind of forward-facing finisher that when you're in the groove... Uh, if, if your teammates are doing the rest of the things they like bring the service in, you're able to just do what comes naturally to you. But at the same time, I feel like he's 
done a good job of coming back, holding the ball. I was going to say, dropping deep, he's actually showed a different dimension that yeah. he can actually take help get the team out of the back at times. So he's, yeah. I think he's been great at that. Yeah, I, I think so too. And yeah, even, um, you know, there's a couple balls he came back, held it, slotted uh, Gressel through on, was that last game or the game before? Yeah. I think it was the game we, we won and should have scored more uh, against New England. Yeah. Um, you know, you see a little bit different dimension, and that's that's fantastic. Um, P.T. Martinez, what do you think? P.T. I know you love him. <laughs> I know you want him to do more and more, and I think he'll get there. I think he's, I don't know that I can give him a grade. Yeah, well, it's, I, I, don't have I, a, mean, I don't have a great, great grade for him right now, personally. He needs to stay. Well, they all need to step up, but I think he's close. He's just not there yet. I will tell. South American Player of the Year has not settled at all with Atlanta United. So individually, he's looked at moments like he has some real talent. Certainly, he can hit the heck out of the ball with his left foot, but um, he has not settled at all. He has. He looks at sixes and sevens, knowing what to do in this particular team. Now, I think, you know, um, in Argentina, they said that he took quite a long time to settle, actually, um, in Argentina. So, um, you know, maybe it just takes time. You could see him as the kind of guy who actually, people say, oh, he'll come good, come good. You could see him as the kind of guy who doesn't come good till the first game of the next season. Yeah. That he needs a... You know, that's kind of what's happening with Barca, but we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I give him right now. I give him a C. C. Given he's a yeah. South American Player of the Year, um, hasn't uh, just hasn't stepped up the way you know. There was there were some free kicks and some shots that to me were so fantastic, and I've said this before that you know those aren't lucky. At, lucky shots at goal that's pure talent and those are uh those are coming it's just a matter of time oh we've got a little refill on the wine here loving it um so i i think i expect a lot more from him i i think he's very soft on the ball at times which really drives me crazy i feel like He's not as strong as, you know, Almiron, and you see Almiron and Newcastle being strong. Even though Almiron, when he does get fouled, goes down like he, he just got shot by somebody. But at the same time, he picks those moments at the right time where PT has not gotten those calls, and you wouldn't give them to him necessarily. Even though he gets hacked a lot, they're not as obvious as I would like them to be for, you know, for me to rather see him just play through it and be tough. But if you look at Almiron... If you look at PT, you look at Barco, you look at actually LGP, all came from the Argentinian League. And all when they first got here had a tendency to flop a little bit. That's yeah. clearly a call that's getting called in Argentina, not getting called here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, I think, yeah. Yes. All right, Tito Bialba, what do you think? Other than you being in love with him, Leah. Mm, he's no Garza. So Jeanette and I decided Saturday he needs a haircut. The oh. fro, his hair's gotten a little too long. Too spiky. Look a little better. So that's Just your grade on him is he needs a haircut. No, I mean, <laughs> he did not enough. He did not step up. He did not play well Saturday. He got pulled or subbed, you know. C. 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 Minus. Yeah. 
Dave? Hot and cold. Yeah. Um, had some. He's had some moments where he's bailed us out and looked like the best player on our team, and some moments where he just disappeared. Yeah, I mean, my opinion that he's proved that he's a better sub than a starter. And he does seem to be a little... I don't know whether comfortable is the right word, but he's quite effective in changing the pace of the game off the bench. Great at changing the pace. You are right pace. with that. Yeah, and I am too. I think he's got a... Like the energy that he brings by coming on in the 60, 70th, 80th minute mm-hmm. is – it's awesome. Like when he sprints out of the field, it's like, you know, what, what's the baseball movie with the wild thing? It's like, you know, it's kind of like a little <laughs> of that. I don't know. I, I One like, of the things I don't understand about – and this goes back to Tata as well. So, you know, we basically have one – We've had, uh, uh, since we've had Barco, we've had one extra attacking player, you know, sort of for the balance on the team, right? But there's been no rotation, right? I would love to see, you know, you say, okay, to Villalba, a player like Villalba, look, you're going to come off the bench, you know, two out of every four games, and then you're going to rotate. Every once in a while, you're going to start for Martinez, or you're going to start for you know, Barco or start for PD and you get occasional starts so that he feels like he's part of the team, but um, the rotation, and it seems to me like, you know, both coaches have said, look, I'm trying to identify my best 11 and I don't really care about that. Yeah. Ezekiel Barco. To me, if you're going to, if you're going to build a team, you've got to get, I think you should be able to get a team to buy in with one extra striker. And the way you do it is you say, look, every third, fourth, fifth game, you're going to get a rest. And yeah. in those games, even Martinez, like if you say to Martinez, look, every fourth, fifth game, maybe every sixth game, you're not going to start. We'll, you'll bring us, you'll come off the bench for 20 minutes right. in that game. You'll save us if we need it. Or if, if we're winning by a lot, you get a rest. It means nothing about you. It's just to keep you fresh for the season. Yeah. Agreed. I think that's that's the right role for Vialba, and he's now that he's had a chance with PT being uh, sidelined a little bit to get the starting roles. I think that's what I would continue to to roll with with him. Barco, Leah, what do you think about Ezekiel Barco? Improving, one of the few that seems to be improving, not just because of his goals. He's trying to make plays. He's pushing. He's trying. He's been given a chance that he didn't have before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, I think uh, like we were saying with PT, I think he's kind of gotten a little more comfortable. He, there's controversy last year with uh, <laughs> a lot of stuff going on. Off the that's, in the, that's in the rear view mirror. He's able to focus. He feels a little more comfortable probably in the U.S. Do we actually point. know which teammate it was? Uh, v- Vasquez, right? I'm pretty sure that's I was like, I had heard it was one of the big players, and I'm like, it can't be. They like him too much. And if it really was, they wouldn't like him. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I don't know. What do you think about Barco? I would say the word is settled. Yeah. Right? Last season, you know, came in, you know, didn't necessarily know his role, didn't know whether he was going to be an automatic starter, um, never looked settled. Um, This season, he looks like he thinks he belongs and is settled. I think that's the perfect word. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you see him hitting the woodwork like he did on Saturday, it's just, um, it's it's great. And I think, you know, there was also some games even, uh, you know, in the uh, in the, uh, the the early games against Costa Rica, like just the energy he was bringing to some of those games, you could see that he also 
had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And I think he's worked through that the first couple of games and now has moved to the word that you just said, which is settled. So I think he's gotten a little bit of the eagerness out of his system to try to prove himself and now is getting settled. And I think now we're going to see something special with that settledness and his ability to just focus and maybe just find a little bit more crisp crispness of not hitting the post and actually putting it in the back of the net, which is awesome. Um, maybe it's the new hair. Yeah, maybe it's the new hair. He and, Martinez. New hair. he and yeah. Martinez must be going to the same hairdresser. They do have the same hairdresser. I think that's the fact. Yeah. Right, Lee, what very you impressive. You've obviously been doing some research. We don't approve of that here on the 1805. <laughs> what do you think about the German Julian Gressel? Gresselmania. I like him. You like him, huh? I like him. <laughs> hey. I like him. I think, you know, he's one of the players who's getting shifted around. He's trying to find his spot. You know, he was what player of the year or whatever two years ago when he came up um i feel confidence when he gets the ball unlike a lot of them right now i feel like he's going to do good things and he's making it happen up front he's trying he's one of the ones who doesn't seem to quit to give up his confidence is high which i think it needs to be because a lot of them are lacking confidence right now dave what do you think about mr gressel He's been good, but not as good as last year. And the difference is the press. So last year, we turned the ball over a lot more in the opponent's half, which meant that we could get him quickly onto an open spot. And he can really deliver a ball with his right foot when he's put into space. But if you now ask him to break down a defense that's, that's already settled... Um, doesn't necessarily look like he's going to go from rookie of the year to MVP. Yeah. I think, yeah, I don't, that's one of the coaching things I don't love right now about putting Gressel in success. I mean, we've shifted him a little bit, but, um, you know, I think getting him in that outside position with space, getting it out wide to him where he's leaning into his strengths is not something I think the overall tactics have played to, which to me is a little concerning. Again, moving away from what worked the last two years with him in his position, I feel like we've moved away from that, which is a head-scratcher to me um, because he's clearly in the last you know, nine months really come into his own, and I feel like now it's kind of that sophomore slump that he's kind of going into, and I hope that the team breaks him out of that because he's playing so good, and uh, I think he's got tons of upside. Darlington Nagby, Leah, grade, thoughts? If you have no thoughts, pass it to Dave. No, I mean, he's the workhorse right now. He is it. If he's involved in a play, he's moving the ball up. I think he's one of our stars right now, and there's not many of them right now. I think without him, if he gets injured right now, not that we're not doing well, but we're really screwed without him. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what to say if he goes down. Yeah. I think Dave's going to agree with you on this one. I think uh, pure class. I yeah. mean, Darlington Nagby just shows over and over again that he can really play. Yeah. Uh, you know, things, things he does to keep the ball in tight situations are ridiculous. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you might 
argue that DeBoer hasn't quite got enough out of him going two ways or whatever, but um, I think along with Barco, those two have been the best players on our team. Uh, 100% agree. I don't know that I have much to add. I mean, he's a special player. Uh, like I said, like he's, you just feel happiness when he gets the ball. You're like, oh, who's who's he going to shuffle and move this to? Um, when he's in tight spaces, you know he's going to transition the ball in a way that goes another direction and brings it out to space. And that is like such a quality thing with the soccer player that is special to find. And he does it over and over and over again. Just yeah, there was a play on Saturday. I think Dave, you and I were looking yeah. at. We're like, <laughs> he he just saw from the back of his head how to move it to the opposite side of the field where everybody was screaming for it to be, and he made it happen. But first, he got out of it. He was in a ridiculous in a tight spot. Like I'm like, he was going to lose the ball in a really bad spot. Somebody gave him the ball in a not good spot, and he just made a basically a pivot turn. And got himself out of it. And you're like, oh, thank God he didn't give up, the, you know, a clear, you know, counterattack. And then all of a sudden he launches a, a ball, which ended up in one of our best goal-scoring chances of the game. So, you know, you can't teach that. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Jeff Lorenowitz. Leah, do you have thoughts on Jeff? Nay, yay? Yeah. Steady Eddie? Yeah. Indifferent? I guess. Not, I mean, I'm indifferent. I haven't seen... Huge great things from him, but like next on the list, Rakshay. <laughs> She's jumping yeah. at No, but not a fan. Not a fan. She Just, can do what she wants. Yeah. She's in charge here, right? Exactly. That's right. Dave, what do, you think, what do you think of Jeff? Um, this this year, I mean. Old. Old? Yeah. I See, agree. I, I would say old, but I would say I'm actually high on him in terms of his play as compared to the rest of the team right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just have playing with heart. I will say he's that. playing with heart, but he also just isn't making. I don't know at this point mistakes that are unforgivable. I'm just not seeing a lot of that from him. He's not pulling an LGP. Mike's happy. Yeah, I, yeah exactly. But I you know the Jeff Lorenowitz at his best last year, which I thought was during the middle of the year. I felt like he got a little bit tired as the season went on, but um, he was protecting the back four. You know, maybe pre the emergence of Remedy when Remedy yeah. really took over for him. But um, in the absence of Remedy, like for example, after the, the head injury, um, I don't think he was able to protect the back four. He actually was interesting because they had him, um, you know, <laughs> we can go into DeBoer, but um, he even went so far as to steal Tata Martino's. Um, crazy um, tactic where when we were building out of the back, Lorenowitz would actually go backwards and fill in as a center back. Yeah. And so he copied that from him. Um, so Lorenowitz was doing that during the game in this last game. And I'm like, really? We've gone <laughs> like from, from I'm going to do it my way to no, no, I'm going to do it Tata's way. Like, yeah. you know, he literally is like, you know, let's, let's rewind the videotape and let's go back and play yeah. Tata's way. But I don't think he was able, in the midfield roles in front of them, I don't think he was able to protect the back four. All right. I think, Lee, you can probably move fast on this one, which is Breck Shea. <laughs> Meh, not a fan. All right, Dave, what do you think? Well, 
I would think it's probably our second 100% sure uh, ATL on fire prediction because I don't know if you recall, but after the game up in Kennesaw where people were just raving about how we got Breck Shea and he's going to be whatever. And I, in our podcast, I said, hold the phone. Keep in mind, he basically got run out of his last MLS club for being terrible, right? <laughs> and uh, I'm not yet convinced. And, and, you know, in fairness to him, you know, he was a, he used, as I said that last time, he used to be a fantastic athletic guy. Yeah. And I think he's had two ACLs. And he's just not the same athletically. Um, And so I'm not sure he was ever the most tactically great player. He reminds me of sort of a poor man's Gareth Bale at his best when he was big, physical, and could run at people. And he's just not that player anymore. I feel like a weakest starter, for sure. I mean, I I would say LGP is, but that's... uh, Yeah, player ratings, LGP, especially looking at those replays, man, go... Go back and look at them, everyone who's listening to the podcast. I'm telling you, no bueno. All right, <laughs> no bueno, no bueno. But yeah, Breck Shea, I don't know I'm gonna give him a C minus in totality for the season. Um, I, I, he he was always meant to be a plug, and I think he's still plugging away with Escobar and Bello being injured. Who I think likely Frank DeBoer would love to be the guy who's growing into that position yeah. but has been injured so remember he started him in the first game in Costa Rica Bello like in uh, South yeah. America right? and, and you know Bello Bello, so well. Bello is an exciting future <laughs> no, piece that Bello, I mean. once his knees get better let's hope he gets back alright now let's move on to who's been the young player to come in uh, Miles Robinson and I know a lot of people are high on him Leah what do you think of Miles this year I think he shows potential I'm not convinced yet why is that what are the things that make make you pause on Miles because clearly he's an awesome 1v1 defender well we talked about it earlier just the reads with LGP just not getting back as a team player, just doesn't have the experience. He just isn't there yet. Needs more guidance, more coaching. Yeah, I think he can definitely be coached up. Um, you know, I think he is. Um, I think he's got a lot of potential. He's got a ton of potential. I think he's got a ton of potential, and I don't know how old he is. We were talking about that before. I'll have to look that up. But Dave, you know, Miles, I know you've talked about him in previous podcasts in terms of. His ability to read the game, there's a lot of upside there, but 1v1 defending, he's clearly class. Um, overall, I've got a pretty solid score for him in terms of being locked down on defense. And when he makes a mistake, he tries to recover, he hustles. He's got all the right ingredients, as far as I'm concerned, to continue to succeed. I think, you know, a lot of commentators, people on the web, fans or you know and anointing him the eighth wonder of the world um it's actually interesting because the players have said that for the last year or two there's all these comments like he's great blah 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 but you know tata um you know it's funny you would say so so tata clearly saw something wrong because he didn't start him in any of those matches yeah. you could argue maybe he was just kept out by a strong you know parkhurst and lgp but um you're like, what did Tata not like about him? Although, in fairness, 
in the key moment in the playoffs when we had to go to New York FC and shut them down, right? I don't know if, I think a lot of people don't recall this, but Miles Robinson started and played 90 minutes in that playoff game. Right. Which game was that? With Tata last year in the playoffs. Oh, I don't he suddenly that. started. He hadn't started a maybe a, a game the whole season, you know. And then in the playoffs, when he needed him, he went with an extra back. He put in Miles, so he had confidence in him. And what I would say is really interesting, right? I think what Tata did actually speaks to Miles Robinson, and it speaks to Tata as a coach, in that he felt. He kept saying to people that people like, you don't have confidence in Robinson. He was our first draft pick ever, right? Number yeah. one draft pick on the, on the, uh, in the club's history. Um, and he would, people would say, you don't have confidence in him. He'd say, I have confidence in him. And they're like, well, why don't you play him? And what's interesting is he played him in an away critical playoff match. But in that match, he played five in the back. He played three in the center and two out wide. He felt extremely confident with Miles Robinson in a back five. Yeah. Right? But not so confident with him in a back four. Hmm. Right? And I would argue that that says something about Miles Robinson, which is as a one-on-one defender, he's fantastic. And I actually think, you know, some people say that he doesn't read the game. Maybe his distribution needs work. I actually think he reads the game pretty well. I think that his distribution is pretty good. I think where he fails is in covering for other people's mistakes. He's, for whatever reason, he's been trained that, you know, this is my guy and, you know, whatever. And there have been moments where another guy was clearly about to get beat and he's just watching him get beat. Yeah. And you're like, um, are you going to come over and help? And so it's funny because when... You know, the casual fan or many fans will watch that and you say, like the goal that we gave up with LGP, the first goal in this last game at Dallas, right? He makes a horrible challenge at midfield. Just reckless. He's late. He was, we can get into it, but uh, when we get to LGP on the list, but, um, you know, that's at midfield, okay? And Miles Robinson is also at midfield. He was closer to the center, Right. Miles Robinson never on that entire back play on that, ever comes across, right? He eventually comes across a little bit, and then he serves the ball behind him, and Parker gets beat for pace. But he never, you know, you were like, he had 30 yards to read that, and he never read the danger, you know? And I watched that play a couple times today. I think I rewound it like seven or eight times today, <laughs> and it's such LGP's fault. Oh yeah, for sure. It, creating it was the chaos, creating the chaos that created all those mistakes. Maybe you could point out that Miles could have been done better, but I'm going to put more of the eighty twenty rule on the eighty LGP. Sure, but what I would say is is that L with Miles Robinson, in many ways, as a compliment to LGP. His weakness is in covering for players who make a mistake judgmentally, right? And Parkhurst's strength is in covering for people. So Parkhurst, who's not as good of a defender as Miles Robinson at this point in his career, right, actually complements LGP better than Miles Robinson. Interesting take. So let's move on to Parkhurst. Parkhurst, Leah. You kind of breathe a sigh of relief when he gets the ball. 
because you have confidence in him. He exudes confidence. He's one of the few right now that still has some confidence. As the team's leader, um, you just feel like when he gets the ball, he's going to do something with it. He's not just going to half-ass it and let it go. And if he makes a mistake, he's going to do everything in his power to fix it. Yeah, I guess a good description. I think, you know, Parkhurst has been great. Um, you know, cost us the goal on that first goal just because he doesn't have the pace to stay with that young kid anymore. Couldn't run with him. Although, you know, you would say actually if Miles Robinson, who was between the two on that play, all Miles Robinson has to do is stop and that guy runs right off sides, right? Yeah. Again, that's the maturity, the aging, you know, the older, the wily veteran, the John Terry's of the world would have just stopped and laughed as the young kid just ran himself right off sides. Yeah. But um, my problem is 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 not with Parkhurst, but with asking him where he's going to be on the outside. You know, on the outside back where you're asked to bomb up and down the line you know it's at this age it's just not parker's the game anymore yeah all right remedy who's injured and i don't is remedy injured for a while now what's the deal with him concussion yeah, oh, concussion. concussion that's right so he has yeah. a concussion which i get i'm guessing that he'll be back quite soon good because i didn't think it was that severe but i think they have to be very careful yeah, when they're, they're being going through the system yeah and, and i thought didn't he practice some? Yeah, last I think week? he has. And been then they practicing. didn't. Oh, good. Been limited practice. Yeah, I haven't kept up, but yeah, I mean, he's that guy's a staple. Brad goes on this year. Uh, what do you think of Brad? There's no rule on the ATL on Fire Deer podcast listeners about wives doing homework. So yeah, clear. <laughs> clearly you've been getting some info on your feeds. Yeah, I'm yeah. late night Facebook impressed. feeds. Somebody's been talking <laughs> the. Uh, Atlanta United news feed. What do you think about the goose? Not as good as last year. Yeah. Not as good as the year before. He's had some Dude's dicey moments this he season. Has. And not all because of LGP or the whole new defense, lack of defense, the shit show in the back. Made a nice save on Saturday on that free he kick, did. though. But yeah. he has made some but poor choices, and I feel like he's been in the wrong position more times than not this year. Yeah. And not even... With the game weather where the weather was a factor. Yeah. That game out of the mix, he just I don't know. Yeah. Dave, what's it's a big your, concern. What's your grade I don't know, I'll admit, I don't know anything about our backup, what our backup's like, where backup is. Oh, Alec Khan. He's a Decatur guy. Yeah. 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 Decatur, Georgia. Remember Went to started? Lakeside High School. Yeah, come on. <laughs> uh, the only uh, Atlanta born guy, right? Anyway. Um, no, but Brad Guzan, I would argue, has been that way his whole career. Going back to Aston Villa, he would be fantastic, fantastic. Has always been prone to that one moment of gaff, you know. But yeah. um, um, you know, one, you know, Brad Guzan's sort of strength is the sort of same thing as his weakness. He's always been the kind of goalkeeper that many goalkeepers lose focus when the team's doing well, and he doesn't seem to. Like he'll be he will pull off that one fantastic save when you need it. Yeah. Uh, but he's also so always been prone to gaff. And that actually works for a team that's bombing away and scoring three goals because every once in a while in that moment, you need him just to come up with a big save to keep the momentum. So true. I never but, thought about that. But when your margin gets thinner, then it can, that one yeah. weakness, you, you, you blow it. Yeah. 
He seems much angrier this yeah. season. <laughs> so I'm not going to comment on LGP. I've done enough of that on that podcast. Do you have an opinion on LGP that you want to share beyond what we've talked about, Leah? I agree. He was a disaster this weekend. He's either... You're cheering him on because he's doing great. When he does great things, everybody's all excited and happy. When he screws up, I mean, it's detrimental. It's a game, you know, game changer, especially right now, because Martinez yeah. is not putting in the back he's of the He's lucky he didn't get red over and over and over. He's lucky he didn't get a red at a couple moments. Yeah, I mean, group. stupid fouls. Stupid fouls. Not even anywhere near the goal. And he's fast enough, he could have still gotten back and not made the foul he made. Or there were other defenders back. It was just... I don't know. Yeah, I've done my Not smart. Well, I would say that, you know, you kind of said that he has a tendency in the body language to be lazy. Mm -hmm. I don't actually think it's so much lazy. I think it's switched off. I think his weakness is he doesn't prepare well for plays. So in the moment when the game is going around him, he's switched on, he's in, he's locked in, and he's typically not lazy. But I, my find is where he gets himself in trouble, I think he does have a weakness, particularly reading balls that are long and over his head. But I think where he really gets himself in trouble is being switched off. So the Atlanta United will be on offense. He's not involved in the play. And instead of getting a little closer to his guy, he's just watching the game. And if I don't know if you've ever taken the moment, but what's beautiful about being at the stadium as opposed to seeing on TV is you can sit there and you can watch LGP while we're on offense. Mm -hmm. And I encourage you, podcast listener, to take a moment and watch LGP, as I sometimes do, while we're on offense. And if you watch him while we're on offense, he is just ball watching, not getting ready for the next play. And you saw it on the goal the first goal that he gave up because on that play, instead of being two or three yards closer where that guy receives it and he's on his back, he arrived late. And when you are, so it's interesting. One of the things I've been really impressed about from DeBoer, and I said it very early on when we were in South America, in Costa Rica, one of the things I'm impressed about DeBoer is he's got his backs up challenging at midfield, Mm -hmm. which is great. Because that's how you have a tendency to keep people in. And that's the only way, in my opinion, that you can get pressure. People talk about, oh, let's pressure up top, you know, blah, blah, blah. Pressure starts with what's in the back. Because if you don't have it marked up in the back, pressure doesn't work. You have Al Marone chasing people all over the place. And they just play a long ball and they're out of it. And on that play... Instead of Parker's being two, uh, Parker's LGP being two or three steps closer to that guy, he was switched off. So the moment we lose the ball and he switches on, he's late. So then he's trying to pressure, which he does really well. And normally, where he would either get on the guy's back or even step in front of him and get us a really good opportunity, he was late. He panicked. He dove in and he got beat. And it's because he had that moment of switched off. And so what I would argue, um, you actually were talking about DeBoer um, on, you know, coaching LGP, right? So it's actually interesting. DeBoer was not a super athletic player, right? And he, I think, admires the defenders. Miles Robinson and LGP are both more athletic than DeBoer was. But DeBoer was super smart and never, ever 
switched off. Yeah, so I Parkhurst. don't think, uh, yeah, Parker's, but I don't think that he actually can see that LGP is switching off because he never did himself. So he loves the athleticism. He sees him fired yeah. up. He's like, look, you can go challenge a ball like I never could and win it because you're so athletic, right? And he forgets that what made DeBoer DeBoer was not switching off and reading the yeah. game. That's so let's face it, for LGP, as soon as that ball went over midfield, over his shoulder, everybody in that stadium knew it was a goal. Yeah. Everybody well, watched it happen. When you're jogging on defense, yeah. <laughs> well, I think that, that that second moment where after he misreads that. So on that play, the second goal that we gave up, we're pressuring them in their own end. We're trying to get a goal back. We're down one nothing. They get a little bit out. LGP is actually, it's so weird. The guy who was coming out of the back was being closed down by two Atlanta players. I think it was Barker was challenging, maybe Nogby, I can't remember. Yeah. But he was going nowhere. He had looked like he had a moment where he could break free, but he was going nowhere. They caught him very quickly, worked really hard to sort of drag him back. And as a result, he was forced to play a super long ball. Just before he was playing the long ball, LGP is moving 10 yards forward on that play. And you're like, what are you doing? They have him. He has no business moving forward, although there's 2v1. There was only one guy forward, so who cares, right? But that ball's played over the top, and Miles Robinson makes a very bad read on it, and it's late coming over. He uses his athleticism to get all the way back and close the guy down. But it wasn't, I don't think, lazy at that point. It was LGP pissed off. And giving up a little bit. It was it was the result of losing games and being down. Is his attitude. It was right. attitude. Lazy attitude, yeah. fair, fair enough. Yeah. But it was despicable as far as I was He just concerned. put his head down. He put he literally I went back and watched reading. He put his head down. Yeah. He was jogging back, put his head down, and then as he looked over his shoulder and realized this eighteen year old was about to blaze by him, then he went into gear too late. Yeah. And got smoked. And that guy started like 10 disgusting. yards behind him and ran right by him. It was him. disgusting. It was crazy. Know. All right. How about we go to some fun stuff, which is MLS, Atlanta United trivia. Did we talk about Remedy? Uh, yeah, we did. Concussion. Well, Concussion. yeah, but what I was going to say is that I actually think Remedy, who's a great player, if there's one player great. who is not being used well by DeBoer, it's Remedy. He keeps moving him around. You just need to tell that guy... Get on their most dangerous guy on the outlet and prevent the counter. Yeah. And he's brilliant at it. And Tata just let him do his thing. And DeBoer's got him doing all these yeah, he's tactical a shut down. things. He's a shutdown guy in and, the center. And he looks like a shadow of himself. He's been terrible. And I think he's a terrific player. And yeah. he's one of the reasons why we did so well late last year. But he's been a shadow of himself. Yeah. Um, yeah and hopefully with uh, Bello and Escobar coming back... He'll be able to do exactly what you're saying and focus on shoring up kind of that lockdown focus in the center part of the field. So, um, again, let's move on to something fun. Trivia! Trivia! Leah, and I have these awesome cue cards here that I prepared over lunch. Now, how do we know that you haven't fed her the answers ahead of time? Well, there's some. Um, I think the stats are going to prove <laughs> that to be the case. Oh, thanks. Well, the good news is. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a lot of shade you're throwing. Oh, come on. Everybody fails at these <laughs> trivia things. 
I, I prepped her that if she gets two or three questions right, she's going to be on par with everybody else. Oh, snap. One little splash. That's all she wrote. All right. So, all right. So Lady is it only Re me that does trivia? The first question. No, everybody does trivia. Everybody does trivia and everybody does poorly. So you got to embrace get, it. If you get eight of ten correctly, you get to buy ourselves a bottle of wine. <laughs> it's a win. So there's your it's a win. Woo! Or everybody or you wins. Can choose an ATL on fire. Massage. Everyone's a winner. Yeah. All right. <laughs> How many games does Atlanta United have left this season? Over or under twenty five. Over or under 25 games left this season for Atlanta United to right the ship. Is it just me that you answers? Get, yeah, you I got a 50 under. 50 chance. <laughs> That's a fail. It's over. There's 28 games left. So if you're listening, fans, there's a lot of hope left. That's a lot of games. 28's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot, a lot. All right. Who does Atlanta United play next? No clue. You're going to take a guess? <laughs> DC. Nope. They or New play. York. Nope. Dave, you want to slot on on this one? I know we play it's Saturday. Tough I should know. Is it Houston? Colorado. Oh, Colorado, Rockets. right, because they're so terrible. I knew we play at home yeah. on Saturday. They're the Saturday, worst team in the it. league, and they're home on yeah. Saturday. You're right. I should know. The MLS is expanding to 30 teams. Which of these cities is not approved in that list? St. Louis, Austin, Sacramento, or Jacksonville? St. Louis, Austin, Sacramento, or Jacksonville? Which is not in the expansion picture right now. Sacramento. No, they are, believe it or not. And Jacksonville, Jacksonville. is the outlier. That's what I really thought, but I'm like, no, because there's a football team. Yeah. There's an NFL team. Oh, that, that was, was a tough one, though. That was almost like I feel bad asking that one. Um, all right. This one, you may get wrong, but you're going to be upset about it, too. Lovely. Thanks for the pep talk. You're, this is the pep talk. <laughs> Greg Garza was born in which state? California. No. No. I know. You know, Dave? Texas. That's right. Grapevine, Texas in 1991. The 27th Which is why old. part of the reason he felt so comfortable in going and starting his professional Makes career in Mexico. Yeah. All right. This question, I think you got a good chance at, Leah. You have to come within one year of the answer. How old is Michael Parkhurst? Give or take one year, be in that zone. Michael Parkhurst. Oh, come on, on, 18 on fire. You plus or minus two. Yeah. yeah. You, want plus or you want plus or minus two on this or one? You want to stick with the... What do you think? We'll see how the answer goes. <laughs> <laughs> you need a win. I think he's 32. 35. Yeah. So, e so even with the plus or minus two, <laughs> still lose. These were much easier, I will say. Who was here last? Because I read the, the trivia questions. And I did like. These I are was, pretty, these are pretty 50, tough. It was Oscar 50. last time. Yeah, I was 50-50 You had a 50-50. Yeah. Well, oh, I didn't do it. There's been a lot of 50-50s. <coughs> All right. Hector. Tito Vialba plays for what national team? Oh, that's controversial because he switched. But right now, 
Yeah. He's been approved to play for what yeah. national team? He's got dual citizenship, I yeah, believe, that's crazy. right? Who knew? He's playing. No, he's Argentinian. He's, right, that's correct. And he's playing so, with a national team player that is an ex Atlanta United player. Who happens for to that play same for national team? There's a huge <laughs> hint for you. That's it on a platter. <laughs> Venezuelan, or or he's either from Venezuela an or ex Atlanta United player. Yeah, it's Almiron. Plays for what national team? So there. Wait, there's your Uruguay. answer. Uruguay. Close. So close. You got the Guai part right. <laughs> Paraguay. I said that at first. Yeah, I wish you uh, did. I wish you was. But that's another loser pile. Yeah. Oh. Oh, man. All right. It's okay, Leah. We're educating the guests. That's the important part of trivia. No one knows these answers. No one knows. I don't know any of these yeah. answers either, so don't yeah. worry about it. It took more or less than 40 months to build the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Oh. More or less than 40 months. Less. That's correct. We got a winner. 39 months. It might not include the roof opening. First try. 100%. Another Mercedes-Benz question. (laughs) The number of beer taps at (laughs) Mercedes-Benz is more or less than 1,200. Oh my goodness. More or less than 1,200. That's a big number. There's a lot of beer in that place. Yeah, more or less. 1,200 taps of beer. What do you got? I have to say, I have no idea, but when it comes to beer, you always got to go over. Yeah. Come on. We're over? (laughs) That's the right attitude. There's more. There's 1,264 beer taps, according to (laughs) MercedesBenzFacts.com. Mikey Dobbs has reached the end of the internet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm digging deep for these questions. You Uh, you watch. Whoever the next guest is are going to get much easier questions. Where else Mikey Dobbs has been on the internet? Who knows? And this is a tough (laughs) final question. I don't expect to get it right. I wouldn't have. I had to look it up. The team currently leading the MLS in points overall in both conferences combined is who? I know who it's not. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's a good answer. I know yeah. who's last in the South. So, yeah, go with, you know, uh, think Cheryl Crow. Think This is hard, you know, because uh, you can't look at the standings right now if you're an LA United fan. I, 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 you know, I just can't look. It's, it's, it's not too good. depressing. It's not good. <laughs> but there's 28 games left. There, there is actually oh. is it one is it one team still or is it two that's still undefeated? It's the longest actually an MLS team has gone undefeated to start oh. the season. I don't know. No, I don't think anybody's undefeated. Hmm. There's no undefeated teams as far as still. I, I glance sure? at the table. I don't think anybody because this team has the most points at 22, and who is it? LAFC. I'm double checking you. I thought LAFC right, well, you is you double check me with our... <laughs> no. Here we go. Research approach. Stats. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up the next segment here, is, which is Cat's Corner. By the Ready. way, you have to quick transition on. before you can look up this. Yeah, I'm not. I'm gonna put him on the spot here as he transitions. He's to, trying to get me nothing. Cat's Corner. He doesn't want me to object to how hard so, my trivia questions were. Looking at Saturday. I felt Frank DeBoer put the team... You're in right. Good. They do have one loss. Yeah, that's they must right. Have, did they lose on this weekend? 
I know how to read a table, Dave. Uh, Don't yeah. underestimate well, I know me. They lost when you were across <laughs> the pond. Frank DeBoer put the team in a position to win on Saturday, I thought. You can question a lot, whatever, but no major, uh, like, craziness, right? Like, I mean, the team was talented enough to go out there and win. Agreed. It was clear by the opportunities. When it comes to coaching day, like, do's and don'ts, if you're a new coach. Although you have to say this weekend, you know, I agree with you completely. We, you know, outshot them, whatever it was, 22 to, yeah. you know, whatever. But when you do that, you can't give up two goals when you've only given up six or eight shots. And you can't score one when you have 22 shots. I just have to say that. Right. That's what I want to hear, Dave. So what are the things, as a coach, you have to establish as the absolute things to do and the absolute things to do not? I think that's really the essence here of Cat's Corner in terms of just coaching philosophy and he might be trying to instill those things maybe they're not working yeah. but like what are the things as a, as a coach you need to really press upon a team especially being new new to the environment I think the first rule is do no harm it's sort of like the Hippocratic Oath right yeah um, and so I would argue that now DeBoer in three consecutive times has done harm Right, three different coaching spots: Inter Milan, Crystal Palace, and now here. In all three cases, he forced his system right out of the gate, and what that meant is that whether that team was suited to that system or not, they weren't ready to play it, and it made them struggle out of the beginning. If you're going to take a new team, right, and God knows if you're going to take a new team that's the best team in the league, like Atlanta United has won the title. The first rule that you do is do no harm. So if you're going to build, you want total football, you absolutely want to play three in the back, five in the midfield, whatever, then why not ease that into it? Why not say, look, you know, you've been winning for two seasons using this system. We're going to start with this and then we're going to build and try to slowly morph it into it you know he's like oh i had success with that in ajax yeah well ajax they teach that from seven years old every single one of their junior teams plays that that's all they know how to play at that club right so the idea that you're going to come in and you're going to put that system in without looking at the players and without seeing what they've done before is naive so when you say put that system in, what yeah. are you, when you think about the system that he's putting in, what do you mean by that specifically? Well, initially, you know, I mean, the, the most egregious example of this is going on the road um, to Monterey and going on the road to Costa Rica. You're on the road, you haven't had much team or whatever, and you're going to play three in the back? Are you kidding me? So, but more recently in the MLS play, yeah. what do you think about his ML, MLS uh, approach. Well, what I would say is that so so when you when your first rule is do no harm, what you have to realize, and I, I, I think I said this right away, you know, all it takes is losing three, four games in a row, and all of a sudden people start to second guess, fans do, players do, or whatever. So you have got to build a foundation. You know, for example, I'll, I'll give you the exact opposite, right? Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at Manchester United currently came in, had the longest winning streak in the history of the club to start off his managerial career, right? Has since gone completely in the tank. They've lost, I don't know, six of their last eight, 
yeah. right? But people are still giving him the benefit of the doubt because he started out so well, right? Yeah. And, you know, you would say, DeBoer, you cannot afford to start out that poorly, so don't tinker so much, right, initially. Yeah. And so if you want to put in your system... But maybe he felt like he did have enough of a runway to tinker because I don't think Arthur Blank's going to fire him until the end of the season if they were to fire him. No. So but maybe, I would argue maybe I, he's hedging on that. And I think if DeBoer were here, I'm putting words in his mouth because why not? Um, I think he would say, look, what do you mean I'm tinkering? You know, you guys basically played the same system. Yeah. The only, but what I would say is I think what was, what was interesting is that he actually he had more players going forward more of the time and we had no offense it sounds weird right yeah so he had the outside backs who were playing sort of mostly midfield and occasionally dropping back mostly midfield and we weren't scoring and the reason is when you have those guys that forward right to begin with there's no dynamic right there was nobody running forward as soon as he actually moved them out of the back and instead of having the midfielders so forward now we have midfielders going yeah. forward and even though they've been the wrong players they've been Breck Shea and been Parkhurst they still is now at least a dynamic for that and so I at least going still... forward do you think at least the last two games mm-hmm. his system seems to be working clearly the defensive side not so much yeah but you know if you look at the misses that's just player execution like yeah. the and I would, are, I would say, you know, that gets us right to the second rule of coaching, right? Which is you have to really know your players and you have to know not only their strengths, but also their weaknesses. And it, it's a funny thing, right? So when you have, so for example, right? When you have, um, so you have a center defender who is playing really, really, really well. Right. Let's say if you have a a right back who gets injured and then the question is, should I play the center back out at right midfield? Right. And maybe in a position that they're weaker in. Right. Or should I leave the best player in their best spot, even if it means putting in someone who I don't want to put in. Right. And it's it's a coaching dilemma. Right. So you, you always want to have guys who are playing great. You like don't tinker with the core of your system. But then on the other hand, if you know the weaknesses of your players, then you don't want to have a player playing sort of, um, you know, you, you don't want to have a player who's really playing to their weaknesses. And so I'll give you an example, right? So right now we have, he feels very, very strongly that Miles Robinson is great and he's strong and he's fast. I think he's really worried about Parkhurst for speed. And so as a result, Parkhurst, everybody knows his strength is reading the game. His weakness is now that he's old and he's a little bit slow. Okay. Well, the normal thing to do with a player like that is to put him in center back because that's where you can get away with it a little bit. And Tata realized that. But the he's so fearful of that that he will only play Miles Robinson. And he has given a couple of quotes where he says, you know, Parkhurst is too slow to play against a, a bigger, stronger, faster back. I, I'm only going to play Miles Robinson. Okay, that's fine. But then when you put Parkhurst out wide, two things happen. One, Parkhurst, you lose the, the, the offense because he's no longer dynamic enough to go up and down. And two, you lose his best talent. So would you rather have Parkhurst, who's a little bit slower and less physical, but is in a position where he can 
maximize his talent reading the game, or would you rather at center back, or would you rather have him out wide where he doesn't have to match up physically or speed wise with that center back, right? But then you're not maximizing his talent. And I think to me, he's made the wrong decision and he's overthinking it, right? Because you saw it on the goal. Actually, it turns out that it's outside back where you really need the pace, not in the middle. And on that first goal that we gave up, he lit Parker's literally couldn't stay with the guy. And the same thing happened in South America. I don't know if you remember, we talked yeah. about it in the park on the podcast where Parker's read it beautifully, but he just couldn't get back there. He doesn't have the speed yeah. to get back from right back all the way to the middle. Right. And so what I would say is that you have to, we need Escobar back. Well, you have to look at the weaknesses, right? And you have to, so you have to say, look, Miles Robinson's fantastic. Right, but at this moment, he's not capable of covering for other people. So LGP, who's also strong, but his weakness is occasionally to misread the game and go dive in. All you need is a guy like Parkers to clean that up. No problem. You don't have to be fast or whatever. And Miles Robinson is accentuating LGP's weakness by not covering for him. If you had Parkers there, he would cover for him, right? Yeah. So I think to me... Um, you know, coaching is all about choices, but it starts with knowing the weaknesses and knowing. And I think what Tata knew, and I think you saw it in New York City, he knew that Miles Robinson was a terrific defender, but is not so good yet or ready to help other people out. And so he refused to play him in a back four. Yeah. Whereas DeBoer, I think because of he was so good at reading the game, he does not realize that LGP has a weakness reading the game and a tendency to dive in. And so he doesn't feel like he needs a guy behind him. So he's playing Miles Robinson because he's worried about a physical guy. And meanwhile, he's accentuating LGP's weakness. Well, that was a lot. It's a mouthful. That was a lot in Cat's Corner, which is what I expect. And we are at a record minute in the ATL on Fire podcast. So I think there's been a lot of good content. We've you know, not talked in a month on the podcast, so there's a lot to cover. Um, Leah, thanks for joining. I know... Um, you know, putting on the headphones is uh, a little nerve-wracking, but thank you for joining. But we've got to end the show with asking our favorite question, which is, what do you hate the most about ATL United? There's so much to like. What are the things that annoy you about the culture, the environment, et cetera, et cetera? Players, anything. How about the head of the podcast? The head of the podcast. Well, the worst trivia questions ever. Worst Had trivia questions me. ever. The hardest. Yeah, yeah. I think I've that been, was biased. I yeah. have to say, I got it did seem the a toughest. little bit harder than yeah. well, be, because to, I've read them before the last ones, and I've known <laughs> more than there I were five tonight, and there were fifty fifties. Now that's not Atlanta United though. That's the ATL on Fire podcast. So we actually have never included that. What do you hate about the ATL on Fire podcast? Yeah. It might be a good question to ask our guests. Yeah, tonight. I think yeah. I know what <laughs> the answer is. That would be key tonight. It's no different than any other day. I got two two letters for you. M D. Mikey Duff. Yeah. Yeah. All right, but what do you hate? What do you what what bothers you about Atlanta United? Right now, this season, we went from first to worst. I think that's a pretty fair hate. <laughs> I mean, he hates that we suck. Yeah, we suck. Yeah. 
At this moment, there's a fair enough hate. And okay. I think that's... It's, it's just nothing is clicking. It's not that we don't have the talent. It's not that we don't have the players. They're not yeah. clicking. They're not performing We have a coach a who knows the game. It's not like he's... I mean, let's face it. He's not a... He's not a complete buffoon. I'm sorry. No, yeah, so, he's not. So Something is not clicking. Something yeah. is not working. Oh, is it because Gars is not in the locker room? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. No. You know, he's shown an ability. We talked about it a few weeks ago about how he switched on the fly right after we were just getting annihilated yeah. at left back. He did finally put four And that's back. when Parkhurst first went out yeah. wide. And that's when he realized, oh, Parkhurst is not so bad out there and he's run with it. But... It's funny that he has to overthink it first to then look at it and realize that it's not going. But he's clearly learning like that the the lineup's getting better, but I would argue that now he's a victim of his own weakness early because some of the players, you know, they've gotten their heads down. Especially in a game like Columbus where he had to have been shaking his head. He's like, why is this game still going on? And he's right. He keeps saying that, oh, look, if we play that way the whole season, we're going to win most of the games. I would argue if we play that way for the whole season and the team has confidence, we'll win all those yeah. games. Yeah, the confidence is lacking big time. All right, y'all. I think this is a wrap. I think uh, this has been a good conversation. Leah? I would invite our podcast listeners also to write in and try to help Mikey Dawes and I our dilemma. As the weather turns nice, you notice there yeah. was no crackling no today. The first ATL on fire with no fire. Because it's too warm. And so if you have any suggestions for what could replace the crackle, please send us yeah. to us. We can continue to down here by the fire, which is now under air conditioning. Tweet us at, at ATL on fire. I like that. Yeah, maybe we should take a poll. Should we continue down here in the air conditioning by the fire or take it to the deck? ATL on the deck or by the fire? Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one. So long. Good night. Thanks, everybody. This has been an ATL On Fire production. Hope you enjoyed. All right, soccer nerds. If you made it this far, jump on Twitter and follow us at ATL On Fire. Our website is www.atlonfire.com. Also, if you have one of those awesome Alexa Echoes, Dots, whatever they're called, uh, or one of those Google Homes, etc. You can feel free to just talk to us. Say, hey Alexa, listen to the latest ATL on Fire podcast. Or, hey Google, listen to the latest ATL on Fire podcast. Boom, there we are. You're up and running.